Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I'm blessed today to have Carly with me. She is an absolute dynamo, and you're going to get this very quickly. And the energy and the fun that she exudes is amazing. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carly. Thank you for having me, Emily. I'm so excited for this talk. Yay! It's so important. Yeah. Amen to that one. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get started in, I do want to ask people to continue to like, subscribe, and share as our goal is to give a human story and continue to let people know that we don't have to apologize for being ourselves and for being us, um, that we are unique and that is a superpower. So let's get into it. Carly? Yes. You not sorry for. I am not sorry for taking care of myself first. And I'm going to do a dot, dot, dot so that I can serve others better. I love that. So there's so many things that I want to ask on this, but my first one is what led you to this? What got yeah. you to the point that you're like, oh, I'm kind of like serving other people so much, or it's all about others that I just need to, about me for one minute. There have been many, <laughs> there's, there's a great excerpt in, um, in a, in a book that I read, actually the book of awakening, which is a, a beautiful kind of daily, da daily little excerpts, daily little poems on, on things we need to remember in life. And I love all of these poems, but one of them was essentially sometimes like the tide coming up, you have to learn the same lesson like a wave over and over and over again until you finally get it. <laughs> and this is one of the ones that took me a long, long time to understand. Um, and it's still working on, right? Still really working on what it means. But I think originally, one of the best ways that I could say when it first showed up is I, I started as a professional performer when I was, I was actually an amateur performer at eight. I was a professional performer, technically on Broadway by the age of 11. I had homework, <laughs> school. My mom would take me to rehearsals five times a week. I'd have shows on the weekends. Um, I had dance classes and it was always, and I, and I did it all joyfully. I loved my work. I loved performing. I loved being a storyteller. Um, that said, one day for one of the shows, I was sick. And I really, and I told my mom that I wasn't feeling well. And my mom had a similar story as to what most people have, which is fight through it. And so, you know, everybody's counting on you. Everybody's counting on you. You need to show up and give them, you know, your best performance. You can do this. It's just two hours. And I really had pushed myself through. I mean, I did have some health problems growing up, but I, I knew that no matter what, I was going to be able to deliver something. Well, I went to the I went to the show and I did the best that I could. And I, I'm not gonna lie, I was actually very proud of myself. I was proud of myself for getting through the show. You know, again, 11 years old, um, 
maybe 12, I did two year run. And I get at the end of every performance, we received notes from the production manager and the production manager and I were very close. Her name was Monica and she loved me and she took really good care of me. And usually for our note section, I was very, you know, she'd be like, Carly, that was excellent. We love you. <laughs> and they'd either be like a good, and then she'd either give like little performance, like maybe next time tweak this, maybe next time we try to work on this part of the performance, or you were a little bit off key here. Well, this time we go around and we do all of our notes and she looks at me and says, what the hell were you doing? And I was taken aback and, and she scolds me in front of, I mean, everyone and, uh, and says, you know, I don't know what kind of performance that was. She's like, I don't want to be too hard on you, but I'm used to you giving 150%. And that was barely 80%. And I said, well, I wasn't feeling well, you know, and I still, I gave it the best that I could. And she said, you should have called in your understudy. And I was like, well, you know, we talked about it. I thought I could still, I thought I could still do it. I didn't want to let everybody down. It was last minute. And she was like, Carly, people pay to come to this show. You have a job, which is to give them their money's worth, to give them value. And the way that you show up for your team is by you know, giving your best performance to everyone that's on the stage as well. And I came out, I was bawling bawling. I was so devastated. I came outside. I talked to my mom. My mom was livid, right? She's like, what are you doing yelling at my 12-year-old daughter? And we go into the back and, and sit down with Monica and had a conversation. And it was about the art of being a professional and the fact that, you know, she didn't mean to be so hard on me, but it was something to really understand that you can only, this is, this is not just in performance. This is in every part of our lives. We cannot give to others we're jipping others. We're jipping people on our team. We're jipping our loved ones when we are not actually taking care of ourselves and we're not showing up as our best self. I love that. And that's so crucial too that you learn that one at a young age, but still I, I resonate with what you even said in the beginning. It's like a tide and it like, it keeps coming back. Oh yeah. And oh it's yeah. Like, you feel like you're successful and you're like, yes, I am me first. Finally. <laughs> And you teach it, you preach it. Like I teach this stuff and it's still probably one of the hardest things for me is because I love to serve or serve others. That's ingrained in me. So how do you go about it? How do you, how do you put yourself first? What are some practices that you do? So there are a few, a lot of, again, it's all easier said than done, right? <laughs> uh, but we so often get trapped in these stories of selfishness or martyrdom. And these extremes that just aren't doing anyone any favors. Uh, you know, and typically we see that pattern with men being more on the selfish side and women being more of the martyrs. Not always the case, um, but we do tend to see those patterns. Uh, but again, it's, I, I think it's having a really strong relationship with yourself. So I also learned this when my marriage ended. I also learned this when... Um, when I changed careers for the fifth time, <laughs> I also have learned this in my family dynamics over and over again. And that is, you're never going to be a hundred percent right. And I think, you know, if, if we, 
if we're too hard on ourselves trying to, you know, judging what is enough and what isn't enough, then it, it just, it honestly just doesn't matter. I do journaling and meditation mm-hmm. to kind of keep the dialogue going with myself. And I think that that's something if, if everybody did that and had a powerful relationship with themselves to know I'm not doing well, I need some space. I feel, you know, whatever your, whatever your feelings are, you know, whatever that kind of, but keeping up that dialogue so that you develop self-awareness, enough self-awareness to be able to communicate that with the people in your life. I love that. And I think that's so true. And I'll, I'll say that I did a leadership training the other day with, um, uh, it's a fortune 500 company, but in the talking, this is the first time they ever had training on self-awareness and how you yeah. said earlier in how it is a part of, ser- of serving others and that servant leadership. And if our leaders are not trained this, if we're not trained this, and my question for them is, look at your phone. Can you tell me what your battery is? What's your energy level? And they can instantly say it. I'm like, so tell me what yours is. They're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how to check, you yeah. know, and yeah. it, it's that self-awareness. If you can't lead others or if you can't lead yourself, you can't lead others. If you can't be put yourself in, how would you address the part where some people call it or have the guilt with it? How do you, how do you deal with the guilt that can sometimes come with it? So the, the best thing that I always say is I, I try to stay away from words like good and bad and try to focus <laughs> more on alignment and misalignment love mm-hmm. and fear. And mm-hmm. when we, we, I, I think we've, we've gotten stuck in such codependent relationships in work and in our personal lives. So I, I think the, the first thing is to realize that no one owes you anything. Mm-hmm. And when you really realize that no one, no one owes you anything. And if you keep bending backwards for someone, so again, for a lot of women, if you keep bending backwards for somebody, that's on you if and and i and i think the way that you that can be really hard but the truth is if it's not on you then what's happening is you're becoming the victim and now mm-hmm. you have an expectation so what i say is if you feel like you're bending backwards you have to say i i'm not able to show up in this way and if somebody and then kindly i would say let go kindly if if that's if that's a problem for somebody else then that's that's their thing You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not, I mean, it it is, it is really, it is a very tough conversation, but I think the more that we develop self-awareness and realize that we are accountable for our own alignment and our own self-care and keep empowering ourselves as individuals and allow other people to do the same. So if I do something that's upsetting to you, right, let's say I Mm -hmm. do whatever it is and you tell me. And then I give you a reaction that's like, what are you talking about? No, I think I was doing, I was totally right. Then you can either be upset about that, right? Or go, okay, I don't think, thank you, Carly, for teaching me that right now, I don't think that this friendship is that helpful in, in mm-hmm. my life. And I'm going to kindly step away. Mm-hmm. You know? And then the, we get out of those, um, out of those kind of codependent, we, we all stay in more empowered states and more loving states, to be honest. Not mm-hmm. everybody in your life is always going to be able to show up with, have compassion and realize people go through some really tough times and they mm-hmm. might have some, some 
quote unquote ugly that comes out for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You can distance yourself from it. <laughs> like, safely distance yourself from it. Um, and so the guilt is, I think, as you extend more of that compassion to others, you can start to extend it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about to my husband, I, I joke that he kicked me out of the house because it's like, for me, I was so dependent on making sure that my kids were happy and mm-hmm. that making sure that they were um, put first. And he's like, go, get out, go have you time because nobody likes you right now. Like, right? <laughs> That's always how, how often for uh, my mom, my friend's mom used to say, like, I have to take care of myself so that I'm not a, I'm not going to swear on here, so that I'm not a, a jerk to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I don't, if I don't do the things that I need, then I can't be a great mom to you. I can't show the love because I'm exhausted, because I'm resentful, because, you know, whatever it is. Um, but it is really, I will say, I don't have kids. So I know that it is really, really tough when it comes to dynamics with children. That is, can be much, much harder, but just as important. Your kids want you when you're at your best. And that's too, it's like having the people around you too, your sphere of influence matters. And so like, for me, I was blessed to have my husband literally kick me out of the house. Um, and say <laughs> go. But having that, if you can't be self-aware, what are some tips or some things, some um, invitation for people to possibly think about for surrounding, surrounding themselves with people that care for themselves so that they can see, hey, it's not selfish, it's needed. Mm, such a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's having, I mean, these are soft skills that are just essential. And unfortunately, we don't, we don't, we don't teach them. Our culture doesn't teach them or prioritize them. And they are the foundation of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it is in- increasing that self-awareness no matter what is important because you have to be able to, you have to know what you're going through and be able to communicate it the best that you can. And I think as you, as you connect deeper, so I talk about in my kind of my speeches and stuff that the developing curriculum, awakening extraordinary, which is the ability to be fully honestly, and joyfully present all the time. And you do that through connecting deeper Mm -hmm. to yourself. And that is getting more aligned to what brings you joy, what service brings you joy, what kind of relationships do you want? Where are things feeling off right now? You know, what, what people make you feel amazing and what people start to close you up and make you feel like you're on guard. Mm-hmm. and or or judged or whatever and as you become more aware of those things then you can start to let go kindly of the things that don't support that and i always say it can always come back right so sometimes you have a friendship and it's it's not super healthy and you recognize that and you have to be brave enough when it's really hard but brave enough to step away And let that person heal how they need to or be on their journey and you take care of yourself. And as you start to do that, you start to magnetize other people who are in a similar place to you. Mm -hmm. They start to come in. But if you don't do that and you hold on to things that aren't really supportive, it continues. I I think it's, it's very hard to move into more healthy, powerful, aligned relationships until we recognize within ourselves and within our relationships, which ones are not. Do you have 
a past story or experience with that got you to start thinking about this and the power of that relationship? Yeah. I mean, there've been, there've been many. Um, I think it can be, so I say, I, I learned the hardest lesson in the world last year as I went through, um, uh, my, my dog passed away and I, my husband and I separated and he, he, and not for the reasons that most people would think. So toxic, it's easy to let go of things that are not great for you, right? You can easily identify when people are not supportive, when whatever. And, um, and sometimes we struggle even with that. But last year it was learning how to let go of things that I love. Mm -hmm. And we both just had to be very, very honest with each other about where, what we were grateful for that we had, we had a phenomenal, I always say I had an incredibly successful marriage. He's still my best friend. I still love him immensely. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I had a great life before everything that I was doing. It was all great. It was just, I grew and he grew and it was, it was time for the next iteration and we weren't able to honestly support each other how we needed to. Mm -hmm. And so it was a, I, you know, we both had to let go kindly and, and, and face the truth and face our own inner truths and face each other. And so it was, I think that that, that was, yeah. But I mean, there've been other working relationships too that have been much more obvious in what wasn't working. And in that case, um, you know, I just say thank you for, you know, I, I usually just actually walk away from projects because <laughs> it, I just knew there's just going to be more pain on, on both sides. And, yeah. But it's too, it's that through, and I'll say my lessons, most of my lessons come from my hardest experiences. Ones I wouldn't even wish on my worst enemies at times too. And, but how much it made me dial back into my personal, what are some of my perceptions? What are some of my thinking, my, my biases that I even may possibly have? Where did I, and, and it's the thing is that it's a part of that self-care is it's more than just exercising. Most people think that self-care is that you go and you go to the gym and you hit it up. Like, let's address that for a second. Self-care is, whoa, there's a whole body, there's mind, body, and spirit. And then there's other things like financial. There's so many other. So many things. Areas. So for self-care, when what would you explain to people that when in your definition of self-care that you're not sorry for so that you can serve others? So again, taking time in the morning. So I'll give you some very concrete things. I, I know at this point in time, I've spent so much time getting to know when I'm most productive, mm -hmm. when I'm most joyful, when I can help, when I can love the most, all of these things. So I have to have a certain, a certain routine in the morning that does involve some fitness. Yes. Mm -hmm. But if I, it's also meditation, it is the journaling. It is taking an hour or two for creative strategy. That is the time that I come up with my best ideas. And so I honor that. It's not to say that there aren't times where I can't, you know, where, where things come up to where that's interrupted, but I really try to guard that with my life. And when people, and sometimes I will get, well, people are like, well, can we just do, you know, an eight 30 or whatever? And I'm like, is it no, unless there literally is no other option. <laughs> um, because it's so easy to break the habit 
the second that you start to just kind of get caught on the wheel early on. So I think it is finding what routine allows you to take care of just like what you're saying. It's so important because so many people think that it's just exercise and it's like exercise is important. Yes. Diet is important. Yes. All of the emotional and, and spiritual soul, like these deep cleansings, this reflection is just as important. And if we're not doing that part, then it's really just superficial. It's really only focused on the body and the mind can get very cluttered with all kinds of things. Yes. And, and that's the point that I love that you too, because it's also in essence, you're attacking stress and you're, you are making sure that your energy, like we spoke in the beginning is up, you know, that you are recharging yourself. And we always talk about uh, filling your cup or how, how full is your cup um, and knowing whenever it's empty and having people pour into you. But what are some ways that you have found, I know that you said the journaling, but like to even get to that one, because I know my time is right now, it's around uh, two to five is like my go time. And that's where I'm on point the best. Yeah. And so I try to manage it where I can be. And, and I even know days. I know Fridays, Fridays from two to five are not though. So Fridays are my days that I focus on learning and things that can fill my cup up from yeah. others. Because yes. come Friday, I, I need, because I've given so much, so much of my energy. So what are some things that, that you've learned and how did you learn? Like, because it, it's, individual, but it's also kind of hard to explain. So I know that's a difficult question too, but. So that's why, I mean, I do think that the, the, the meditation thing and the journaling is always kind of what I go to for people. Cause I say you, you, um, I call it the, the thinking feeling dance mm -hmm. that in order to build self-awareness, we have to do the thinking feeling dance and meditative practices and things are, it helps you to really sink into your body and pay attention to what your body is experiencing. Mm -hmm. And and feel that we have to have that emotional. And then the journaling allows you to start playing with these things. Mm -hmm. Right. So as you journal, it's like, what makes me, I, I always ask one of my big questions is what service brings you joy mm -hmm. and following. I have a, a friend who's a coach also, and she's got a great quote, which is joy is your GPS. Mm -hmm. And as you start to get more and more in touch with that part of yourself and what parts of my day use the journal to explore what what brings me joy? What was really great about yesterday? What threw me off? You know, what ideas are coming to me right now? What do I feel like I need? Mm -hmm. You know, what is that? And you might find like, I, I mean, I think creative exercises are always great. So like if you do painting, if you mm -hmm. do, if you do writing, take a dance class, take the arts are fantastic for getting more into your body and out of your head. So I think artistic expression is a wonderful way of kind of figuring out what, what you're going through mm -hmm. and finding new ways of engaging your creativity to see what pattern, what individual life pattern helps me, empowers me, and then stick to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, is consistency with it and make it a part, make it a habit. Yes. Make it con consistent with it. And I see that and here's one thing I want to note, too, that what I found is some of the most engaging and amazing people have the biggest problem with this. Because I see Mike um, put in a comment that this is a problem for me. I never think of me and I know that this is not good. 
we, and that's the thing. We also say that knowledge is not always power because knowledge, a lot of people know a lot of things, but we don't do anything about it. So we say, let's go for wisdom, which is knowledge in action. So how can we be wise to, to actually do something about it and care for the caregivers if we also see somebody that is not following through? I think the first, well, if, if something like journaling and meditation, if you have awareness of the fact that you know, that's an issue, right? So for example, what we just, what we just heard, I know that this isn't good. Then I would try if So sometimes the meditation, the journaling, it can be hard to get into that habit. Honestly, counseling, therapy, like great ways of being guided through the process. And you know, it can just, it's just that. It's just that unfortunately, most of our relationships and our conversations don't dig deep enough. And so we end up not, you know, we don't, we, do, we only deal with this. <laughs> and, and there's all of this craziness happening underneath. And so hopefully, you know, look at, I'd say with your spouse, with friends, as you have, if you feel safe, it's telling yourself I am safe and that we, we have relationships to where we can have that depth of conversation. And if for whatever reason that's not comfortable right now, then I think seeking an objective professional or, you know, if you are part of a church group or, you know, have a yoga teacher or, or something, find people who are good listeners that can help you to, that'll just ask you questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be easier until you start to develop more self-habits, you know, have some accountability, um, built in that accountability. What are some key questions that you think people should ask themselves? I take this from my friend too. Am I happy? I mean, I think that's a really, really good starting question. Am I happy? Am I, am I joyful in my life right now? And it doesn't mean that every moment's going to feel great. I think that that thing of joy is really important because, you know, for example, like I'm running through, I've got 50 different projects going on right now. Like it's, it's chaos. Like I'm contenting, I'm creating it on social media, which I'm not a big social media person and having to get myself to do those things. Um, those are activities that I don't really love, but at the same time, I love my work. I love, I'm so connected to my mission right now and the people getting to talk with you and these other incredible leaders that are bringing together. And so feeling aligned, I always say, are you climbing the right mountain? And when you, it can be really hard because sometimes you're really close. You've been climbing the mountain for a long time and you realize like asking yourself, am I happy or joyful when a part of you might feel like maybe this isn't the right thing? Mm -hmm. Maybe this isn't the right mountain can be terrifying and that it is, it's incredibly terrifying. But the truth is you're not going to feel that joy and that happiness until you adjust it, Mm -hmm. until you start diving in and figuring out what is it that I'm really seeking that I'm not giving to myself and to the people that I love in my life right now. I love that. It makes me think of a quote that one of uh, my friends, whenever he was switching, he was following in his father's footsteps and he had done everything and he was miserable. And he had, he was one of a, a guy that had like some of the highest emotional intelligence. 
but he also did not want to let others down. Yeah. And, and what I told him is I'd rather be at the bottom of the ladder I want to climb than at the top of the one I don't. Exactly. And, and, and that's what resonates me with what you just said. And seeing him have a shift in perspective and what he went from was making amazing money to making hardly any, but he had his passions. And that's what it's like. And that's a part of that self care like myself first is that you know, it's not money first it's it's not these other things that are first it's my joy my inner because at the end of the day you're the one that has to live this life exactly exactly and you know when i when i talk about like i was thriving in disruption people are like ah how do you like that disruption is horrible and thriving <laughs> is like cocktails and you know on some vacation and i'm like no thriving is really growing in a healthy way Mm -hmm. And disruption is an unraveling, whether that's a societal unraveling or an internal unraveling. And so how can you grow in a healthy way, no matter what's happening around you? And if you can find that extraordinary when you have nothing, mm -hmm. nothing, no, no, just within yourself. I mean, even if all of your relationships, if every single support that you can think of was pulled out from underneath you, you can still feel extraordinary. And once you get that, it's like, then you're just unstoppable because mm -hmm. everything else is a cherry on top. It's like, oh, you're paying me for that. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, I get this amazing relationship. Oh, awesome. I get, you know, a group of friends. I get to do this. Okay. Awesome. And you don't have to live in fear that it's going to be taken away from you. Uh, I love that. I was going to ask you for a final thought and you could still get one. <sighs> But I want to say that was amazing as it is. So I guess, Carly, for yeah. final thoughts, um, what would you tell people that are still apologizing for taking care of themselves first? I'd say if you're not taking care of yourself, you're probably not showing up for the people that you love. So, so the very thing that you think you're doing, you're probably not doing in you're probably not doing that um, with some gray areas, right? But for the most part, yeah. And it'd be interesting if you actually had enough courage to ask the people for true feedback. I bet they would tell you. They would tell you. And, you know, the thing when we support other people to remember, we want to empower people in our relationships. So trust that they can take care and figure out, you know, with the exception of children, right? Mm -hmm. But adults in your life and adult relationships at work and empower people, empower people, which says, I trust that if I take care of myself, I know you can take care of yourself too. Mm -hmm. And that's so much more empowering. And, and again, you'll come back stronger. You'll come back stronger and with, with way, way, way more to give the world and, people. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. That makes me think hurt people, hurt people, empower people, empower people. Exactly. 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 And we get so stuck and that's part of that guilt cycle. Again, right? <laughs> it's like, that's useless. You did something, you screwed up. Okay, fine. Fix it. Get work on yourself and then come back. But guilty, that's just, all that's doing is it's just a pity party. Like just stop. <laughs> Stop it. Yes. Stop it. No, <laughs> <wait>. <laughs>
I love it. I am so blessed to know you, Carly. I'm so great. Me too. I'm so glad that we did this. And I'm looking forward to some of our other conversations too. I still want to do a workshop, um, some other stuff. Yes. It's such a blessing because you are so amazing and so fun and so wise um, that it just, it's such a blessing. So thank you so much for coming on and thank you all that watched and are going to listen later on. So thank you for doing this. And I love this series and for putting more wise work into the world of work and just generally into this world. We need it. (laughs) Till next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.